Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. If you will get your Bibles out and get your bookmarks out, Colossians chapter 3, uh, 11 through 13, and then over to Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. Birthdays are very important in my family. I grew up that way uh, with mom and dad. Celebrating birthdays are a big thing. And if, no, not just a few years ago, a long time ago. Um, Tyler was five, Ryan was probably one or so, Cameron hadn't been born yet. My mom's birthday came and went. And I didn't call, I didn't send a card, like I just totally forgot. Um, it wasn't like I saw it and then ignored her, I just totally forgot. So did my brothers remind me that day? No. Did my dad remind me that day? No. It was all on me. And I, I didn't realize it till the next morning, and I freaked out, going, I'm dead. Uh, my life on earth is done. This is, this is gonna be terrible. So I'm like, all right, I've got a plan. So I call my dad, who's livid, by the way. I hear that minutes and hours of, of lecture. But I said, look, Dad, I said, don't tell Mom, but I'm going to grab Tyler, and we're going to go up to see her. Now, we're talking a four-hour drive. Tyler got a day off of kindergarten, okay? Plus, I used him as a buffer because I wasn't going <laughs> to receive the wrath of my mom, you know? He's still a cute guy, but he was cuter at five, too. Um, so I was ready. Um, four-hour drive up to see Mom. Um, you know, I got the look for a second, uh, but all was forgiven, all was good. We went out to dinner, had a nice evening, uh, stayed the night and went back home the next day. Uh, but we're talking about forgiveness today. Uh, I, I was anxious the whole drive up, imagining the face of your mom who's sad because you missed her birthday. You know, that's not a thing you want to imagine in your mind. Um, but as soon as I knew that all was forgiven, it was all good, we were back on, you know, and she, she was frustrated and, and upset, but not, not angry at me. But there was, the, there was a moment of relief knowing that I was forgiven. Um, and I want to talk to us today about forgiveness. So in Colossians 3, a uh, pastor has gone through verse 12 with uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So we're at 13 now, and this list before are these five items that we need as a Christian, uh, that we need to reveal Christ in our life. Uh, the very nature of Jesus are these five things, um, part of that that we get to exude a little bit of. We don't do a great, and that's why Paul in 13 says, as we're attempting these things, bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. He knew we weren't going to be great at these things, and we're, we're going to get frustrated with one another, um, and that's what bearing with is. Bearing with one another is kind of enduring, 
not reacting emotionally. How many of you have wanted to reply to a post on Facebook like immediately without thinking through things? Um, to bear with someone to endure, you're like, all right, I see this post, but I'm just gonna ignore it and go on with my life. Um, and so as Christians, we're, we're gonna mess up and sometimes we need to just kind of grin and bear it. Literally, that's what that is, is to grin and bear it. Uh, but then Paul goes on to talk about forgiving one another. Um, and this is a forgiveness that is, you know, I forgive you, but this word in the Greek is even a deeper meaning. Um, and I'm gonna use the word grace-filled forgiveness uh, throughout the rest of the sermon. This is a grace, graciously restoring one another. Um, a grace is something that we don't deserve that we receive. Um, and this forgiveness, it might be a situation that you, you don't deserve forgiveness. Um, the person that you're giving forgiveness to doesn't deserve it. But we do it because what God has already done and already forgiven us from. So looking through this passage, um, a, a great example of this forgiveness is found in Luke chapter 7, and I'll read to you verses 41 and 42. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. That is this grace-filled forgiveness, that it's not just saying I'm sorry, but is that you have wiped the slate clean. The debt's forgiven, there is nothing else owed, um, and that is the true forgiveness that Paul is talking about. So it's one thing to grin and bear. It's one thing to bear with one another, put up with each other without saying, making comments and trying to correct everyone. But going farther with this forgiveness is that if a brother has offended you or a sister, it's, it's I forgive you and it's gone. Clean slate, we're back to normal, um, back to better than what it was. And. As we have taken these, this list and, and applied it to the life of Jesus, you know, looking through, I can only imagine how many times Jesus had to kind of grin and bear it with the disciples. You know, to, to live with this, a group of men for that long, you know that there are so many things that Jesus is just like, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be okay, and I'm just going to endure through this. Um, but even more than that is this forgiveness that they received because of him. But the story I want us to see in the life of Jesus and his time with Jesus is in Acts chapter 9. And this is when, talking about the conversion of Saul uh, on the road to Damascus. Now, I have to warn you, throughout the whole sermon, I'm going to interchange Saul and Paul, just to give you a heads up. Um, same guy, different name, different time of his life. Um, but as we're talking through the conversion of Saul and then his name is changed to Paul. But this road to Damascus, here is a situation Jesus has already ascended, um, but here is a, a person, Saul, that Christ sees that, you know what, he needs a, a little confrontation with me, an encounter with myself. And so as we are about to see where Jesus uh, has this encounter with, with Saul and we will continue to read from Acts chapter 9, verse, starting with verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, 
so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now Saul was a Jew. He was born in Tarsus. He was a, he was a godly man. He was a man seeking to please God, to honor God. He was raised in the synagogue and the, the teachings. He knew what it meant uh, in his mind to obey God, to follow God. Um, and this Jesus guy was messing things up. And he was not going to have anything to do with any of this. So he would rather go and get a hold of any of these Christians, any followers of Christ, and, and get them out of their home and imprison them. Uh, because he did not feel that Jesus was doing anything of what God uh, wanted and was not honoring to God. How great is this going to be when he, he experiences this grace-filled forgiveness? Uh, verse 3 of Acts 9. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now Jesus could have picked anyone else. Uh, there's a lot of Christ followers that could have stepped up and eventually did what Paul uh, did. But he chose Saul, who was absolutely anti-Christ, anti-anything Jesus, anti-anything of the way. Um, and Christ saw that there, he chose Saul for a, a particular reason and wanted to have this confrontation and encounter with him. Going on in verse 6, But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from you, or heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Now hold on a second. Ananias is like, look, Jesus, no way. You know, I know who this guy is. I'm not about to put myself in harm's way. Um, Grace-filled forgiveness is not easy. Uh, even coming with a direct uh, request, command from Jesus to go to Saul, Ananias is like, I don't want to do that. You know, and how many times do we as Christians uh, in today's church think, man, I would be a lot better Christian if I had Jesus here in the flesh, if I got to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, hear his teaching directly, I would be a better Christian, it would be easier to live out my faith uh, if Jesus was here, if I lived back in Bible times. Well, guess what? Ananias got a direct message from Jesus, and he still was like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I, I believe that you can take care of this guy named Saul, but I would rather not do this. 
Um, and how many times do we sit there and think, Jesus, why did you put this person in my life? Why do I have to deal with so-and-so? Um, you know, and, and I would rather that you take care of forgiving him. You know, just don't throw me in the mix of this. Uh, don't drag me along into this forgiveness thing. You, you can handle it on your own. You don't need me. Um, and I would rather pick the people that are easy to love and easy to forgive. So even Ananias, a man of God, was, was saying, I would rather be anywhere else but in the same room with Saul. But that is where this grace-filled forgiveness comes in, is that eventually and probably very soon Ananias realized that what Christ has already done, he was going to, going to be able to deal with Saul um, because of the forgiveness that he's experienced. He's going to be able to go and, and give that forgiveness to Saul. So going on to verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So now Jesus not only was going to forgive Saul, encounter or, or, or show up and be this light, that ended up blinding Saul. Um, but he not only forgave Saul, he's like, you know what? I think I can use this guy. Uh, and look at us now in Colossians, a book that Paul has written. So God not only saw this and loved, Paul, loved Saul as he encountered him, but knew that he had plans uh, for him. And he has plans for us too. How amazing is our relationship with God that it's not just, all right, we're all set for heaven, we're waiting to go as soon as we pass away, but Christ has called us to live in this murky world, alive in Christ, proclaiming this clear message of hope and of grace to this lost world. So Christ had plans for Saul, he has plans for us, uh, that we get to live in this world surrounded by people that might not be so loving and so forgiving, um, but we have an opportunity to, sh to shine our light uh, and to represent Christ in all that we do. And in verse 16, it says, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So now we're starting to see this change of events uh, for Saul's life, that Saul is this person that has been persecuting the Christians to now, as we see throughout the life of, of Paul, uh, being stoned and left for dead, beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned. Now he is being persecuted for the sake of the name of Jesus. Uh, this, this dramatic change that has gone on, and then it gets better. Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Grace-filled forgiveness equals a radical change. Um, what a dramatic change has just happened in Saul's life of someone who has hated the things of Jesus, hated the teachings of Christ, to now experiencing and encountering him, encountering this grace-filled forgiveness that his whole heart, his whole life has radically changed. Could you imagine a week prior to this, 
that if Saul made it to Damascus and showed up and entered into the room where Ananias was and is like, look, buddy, you're teaching the wrong things. This Jesus stuff is not good. It's time to go and grabs Ananias, binds him up and imprisons him just a week before, a day before. But now Saul has had this encounter with Christ. And now here is this rumor Saul comes in and that, that, that situation before a week ago is filled with fear from Ananias, filled with hatred and anger from, from Saul. Now we're in this present time after Saul has had the encounter with Jesus Christ where Ananias comes in and to call him brother. And this room now is filled with grace and with love. Such a stark difference between the two scenarios that would have happened without the encounter of Jesus Christ in the life of Saul. And that is true grace-filled forgiveness, where someone has been forgiven, the slate is wiped clean, um, and this new beginning happens. Uh, what an awesome picture that we see with Saul and Ananias in this room together, praying together, calling each other brother. And then going on in verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This grace-filled forgiveness from Jesus brought about this radical change in the life of Saul. And with that came some major adjustments. Now look at Saul. Look at his humbleness. Can you imagine this, this tirade of, of action against Jesus and, about, and, and against his followers to now come humbly before them and say, I am brother. I am, I am with you in the name of Christ now. Think about the compassion that he felt for his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, the kindness and the patience and the meekness. You following this list? That came from this radical change in Paul's life, and there were some major adjustments that had to happen. It came from this encounter with Jesus Christ that now Saul's life has completely uh, done a 180 and is a complete different man, different hearts, different mind. Um, a, a man after God's own heart and following Christ in all things. Here is Paul's testimony in his own words found in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13 through 15. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So here is Saul saying, I, I am the worst of sinners. I was against everything that Christ was, but it didn't matter. I experienced a grace-filled forgiveness. They came from Jesus Christ, and my life is different now. He is the Son of God. Church, there is nothing that we can do. There is nothing so bad in our life that Christ will not forgive, that his shed blood will not cover. 
There is nothing. And sometimes we get caught up in that in our own relationship, in our own, even a long-term Christian, that we feel that there's something just kind of snagging us. We need to realize and grab a hold of this idea that the grace-filled forgiveness through Jesus Christ shed blood covers everything. There is nothing left. There is nothing left except a clean slate, a pure heart, that we get to run to God and, and grab a hold of Jesus Christ and realize that we are truly forgiven. And because of that, then we can go on and forgive others. Now, come with me back to Colossians 13. Because now, what about us? What about our experience and encounter with Christ? What about our grace-filled forgiveness that we experienced when we accepted Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Colossians 13, and let me start with verse 1. By the way, again, how cool is this? That this passage now is not just part of a letter that Paul wrote um, because he was inspired by Jesus Christ, as we understand Scripture to be, but he's lived this out. He's experienced this now. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 13. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, longtime church members and those new to the faith. I'm adding this, by the way. Don't freak out if it's not in your Bible. Paid church staff and the pew warmer, but, but Christ, the image of the invisible God, firstborn of creation, head of the body of the church, is all. Uh, we could stop there. That, enough said. He is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Forgiving, by the way, ongoing, forgiving. Um, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now God has called us all to a major change, to a radical change in our life. When we have encountered Christ Jesus, when we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, nothing can be the same. It's got to radically change. There's no way it can't when we've experienced this grace-filled forgiveness. And why do we need to forgive others? Because the Lord has forgiven us. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, backing up a chapter, says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive from death to life, together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And let me talk about the cross for a minute. True forgiveness, true grace-filled forgiveness costs you something. For you to truly forgive someone, it's not just a little written no or a, I forgive you. It's got to cost you something for it to be truly a, an experience and a grace-filled forgiveness. Just like it costs cost God the Father. The only way that he could forgive us of our sins was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. It cost him his son. This sin that is so, uh, so terrible in our life and, and 
blackens our heart, and the list, we could talk forever of the sins, but because of the cross, like I said, the shed blood of Christ covers every single sin that man could do. There is nothing that is left. And because of that grace-filled forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we now have access to the Father. We have the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And we might be in a situation with someone that we are totally right. We have no reason to forgive them. But because of what Christ did on the cross and this forgiveness that we experienced, we need to forgive. Um, this story recently of this pastor who lost his wife in a home invasion. Um, this pastor had no reason to like, to, to put up with, to even be in the same room with these men that did this uh, to his family. But here is a quote from this pastor. Though everything inside me wants to hate, to be angry, and to slip into despair, I choose a route of forgiveness, grace, and hope. This man had no reason to, to let things, uh, or to forgive uh, these men. He could have allowed it to go through everything, and, and he's got a lot, a long road ahead of him. But to take the road of forgiveness is going to be an easier journey for him because of the strength of Christ Jesus. Because we are forgiven when we totally didn't deserve it, we can now, in the grace of Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, forgive those in our life that don't deserve it. Jesus alone enabled us to do this. Look at Ananias. Again, he's like, I am not going anywhere near Saul. But because he had faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of his sins and being brought into a right relationship with God, Ananias knew that Saul was going to be different than what he knew. And with that trust, he was able to go and to forgive Saul himself because of what Christ has already done. We cannot do this on our own. There is no way. And the more that we get a grasp of this reality that God has truly forgiven us, that all of our sins are wiped away, then we can continue on to share that forgiveness with others who have wronged us. It might be a coworker, it might be a family member, a friend. I, I know that there are people in here that are struggling with forgiving someone. And is there a person that you know that you need to, to resolve this relationship with, that you need to truly forgive, cancel the debt, clean slate, all of it because of what Christ has done? And like I shared at the beginning with my mom, the opposite side is amazing. When you know you've been forgiven um, and to, to understand that the grace of Jesus Christ is greater than any situation that we're going to go through. And to receive that grace and forgiveness from someone else is amazing. How, we would not be here without that. As we understand God's forgiveness of our own sins, that it, it's an amazing time. I cannot imagine my friends that don't know Christ trying to live this life, struggling and, and living a life of fear and of uncertainty of the future. I, I don't understand how they can, they can go through that. And yet we have experienced that, and now we can share the amazing love of Christ Jesus to others. 
and resolve some relationships that we know that we need to get right by forgiving others. And maybe you're in this room and here and have never experienced the love of God, have never experienced Christ's uh, grace-filled forgiveness in your life. And imagine that moment of understanding that your sins, every sin, and the sins to come are gone and wiped and covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Um, and going back to this relationship or a, a person that maybe you're thinking of, put yourself, the two of you, in that room with Ananias and Saul. How much greater is that experience when this room is filled with grace and love and hope and not anxiety and fear and stress, you know, to pull up into a parking lot at work, maybe even your own driveway and someone's at home that you're like, I would rather turn around and leave. That is not grace-filled forgiveness. That is not how God wants us to live and to share his love with others. But I pray if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not experienced this grace, this forgiveness, knowing that you have a clean slate when your sins are forgiven. And yes, we're going to continue to sin, but our life is covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That because he rose from the dead, we have conquered sin and death, and we get a hold of this relationship with God by the working of, the, of Christ Jesus on the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That is amazing. And we need to drop these things. Our scales need to come from our eyes in some certain situations that we need to get right. And I pray that we continue to pursue Christ in all things, that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus, uh, no matter what is going on in our life. And please come and talk to one of us about what it means to receive that grace-filled forgiveness in your life. Please pursue someone this week that you know you need to share this grace-filled forgiveness with, that maybe someone you don't want to even be around. Um, and that is a great challenge for all of us. But God has plans for them. God has plans for you and for me to continue on and to love him passionately, to seek, him after, seek after him in all that we do and say and live. Um, what an amazing journey that, that God has allowed us to be a part of. And I pray as we close that we are reminded of this amazing grace that we have experienced in our life, that we continue to experience, that we grab a hold of that idea and seek after those that need forgiveness, seek after those that need this amazing message of love in Jesus Christ, uh, and be that light in this dark, murky world. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together that we are reminded that you love us, uh, that you adore us. Father, that you have forgiven us of our sins, that you have filled us with your grace, that through that, through the act of Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit, that we now can live out this life in you, uh, that you are all to us, and that we can continue to share forgiveness and give forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. Father, that we can continue to share your love with those who need it desperately. 
Father, I pray that you continue to mold us and make us in who you want to be. Father, help us to look a lot more like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.